Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. Today, we're gonna talk about what a Biden presidency and a blue wave means for your fund, for taxes, for laws that potentially will change going forward for the next two and four years. Hope you guys enjoy. I've spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious fund managers around. And now I've decided to take the plunge and start my own fund. The real question is, how will I do it? With no investors and without an Ivy League degree, this podcast is gonna give you the answer. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we start and build multi-million dollar investment funds. I'm Bridger Pennington, and this is Investment Fund Secrets. Boom, people, welcome back to the show. Today, we're gonna talk about what a Biden administration means for your fund, especially with a Democrat Congress to back up whatever laws and changes they want to make over the next two years. We're gonna talk about what that means for your funds, what opportunities might arise from these changes and different places looking in in real estate funds, hedge funds, private equity funds, venture capital funds, what is going on? That should be a really fun episode uh, diving into it. So we've seen some pretty interesting stuff the last, I would say in the last six years in politics, ever since Donald Trump entered the scene. But this last week has been, (laughs) has been extraordinary, right? We had a Davy Crockett on the stand. We had a riots of the Capitol, all this kind of stuff. We had Democrats kind of come from behind win in Georgia, win both seats in Georgia, giving them that blue wave that most people did not predict. So what does that mean? What are some potential changes? All right, the first thing I wanna talk about, and you've probably heard about this before, is tax changes. The Biden administration has been very, very adamant that they are going to raise taxes on the wealthy, on the rich, which includes us, which includes our investors. So how do we prepare for that? Now, a few potential changes that they might make. Number one is changing capital gains. Okay, for a lot of investments, if you hold an investment in asset for a year and a day, and some assets may it's three years and a day, you get into long-term capital gains. And typically in the past, historically that's been taxed at around 20%, depending on the asset and depending on how it's being taxed. But typically it's about 20%, which is pretty low, which incentivizes investors to buy assets on the stock market or real estate, whatever asset it is, and hold it for a decent amount of time to invest, right? It's, it's incentivized them to do that. They are talk, there's talks of changing capital gains rates. Additionally, in the real estate markets, they also want to change 1031 exchanges. So a 1031 exchange is in real estate if you own an asset and you sell that real estate property, that asset, and you want to buy another real estate property in a certain period of time, you can go buy that other real estate property and you do not pay taxes on that those transactions because you're essentially just moving your money from one asset to the other, both in real estate. And so they're like, they say they have this thing called a 1031 exchange, which you can move from asset to asset, which really helps real estate flippers, pretty much anyone in real estate understands 1031 exchanges very well because it's a way that the real estate markets are liquid. It's a, it's a, and it's incentivized real estate investors to buy and sell properties to move around and creates liquidity, relative liquidity. I still real estate takes a little bit longer to sell than other things, but a reasonable liquidity in the markets. Now with those two things, capital gains potentially changing and 1031 exchanges potentially changing, what does that mean for us, right? What does that mean for what's going on in the world? So let's just say this though, the next 
Oh, and this is, I'm filming this video early 2021, right? We're looking at the future here going forward. If those potential changes are on the docket, even if they don't get passed, right? And we'll see what happens. I've talked to a number of real estate investors that are worried that they've held a property for 30 years, right? Long time owner, it's just a cash flow property. And if they hold it for 31 years, they're gonna pay double on their taxes. And so I've talked to a number of longtime real estate holders that are saying, you know what, the market's decent. I would, I wanna sell now, get out of the real estate market so that I don't even have to worry in a year or two from now if they pass certain legislation for 1031 exchanges and capital gains. I just wanna, hey, I'm gonna take my money off the table, I'm gonna put it somewhere else. And so we've seen a, a decent shift, at least in the markets I'm in, and we, we do a decent amount of real estate investing, the markets that I'm in, a shift for sellers being motivated to sell based on changes of 1031s and capital gains, which is very interesting. So for us though, to come in and buy that asset, right? If I have a fund, a real estate fund, I'm gonna go buy those real estate assets. I've gotta think through now, <laughs> right? What if they change those legislation for over the next two, three, five years? And you, you've gotta price that in to your model uh, when you're going and buying these real estate assets. Now for us, we're looking at it like, hey, there's gonna be a, a, a blue wave for the next two years at a, at a minimum. Okay, it could be longer, but at least two years. So how much could they do in two years? We don't know. Uh, if the asset, maybe they do change whatever, it makes capital gains really bad, 1031. We're hoping as well in four or six years from now, things will be changed back, right? That's one analysis you go at. You can just price it into your model, make sure you understand how to pay taxes or hire a really good CPA and they can always figure out how to, how to, how to mitigate your task risk. Because the other side of the coin is this, and then especially on taxes. And I was talking to a few wealthy individuals that said the same thing. It doesn't matter, Democrats or Republicans, they're all wealthy. So all of these senators, politicians, they're also wealthy as well. Right, and they all of their supporters and donations. This is Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter. They all are around a lot of wealthy people. So, when looking at tax changes, capital gains, or 1031 or whatever, gotta understand that all these politicians are wealthy themselves. And most of the time, they give some way out of certain tax changes that they make. So, for example, a great, a great example was in the early 2000s, you could write off you're a car as an entire business expense. And so you can do that today with certain rules and stuff, but it's a little more tight. Uh, before it was just, everyone was doing it, right? You'd buy whatever car you wanted, write it off. So they changed it, said, hey, you can't do that. However, they said, well, un unless it's a business lease. So if you have a business lease on a car, then you can write off the business lease. So what happened was everyone just started buying Lambos and McLarens with their money through a lease because it was tax write-off. So there's a lot of things I think will happen if they, if they do make drastic changes to tax code, there always is gonna be other ways to deploy capital at very low tax rates. So call your CPA, make sure they're up to date on tax changes if they happen, I think we'll be okay. So moving on from 1031s and capital gains, now to stimulus packages. And Republicans, Democrats have loved stimulus throughout 2020. And uh, well, I, you know, you, you have to see, right? It was an election year. They're all trying to get votes. So stimulus, whenever you give somebody free money, you know, they would call it free money. It's not free at all. But when so, whenever we receive 1200 bucks, like, man, that was great. I'm going to vote for my candidate to, cause I want them to keep giving me free money. So we will see going forward when it's not an election year, 
when actually that they're running the country, we'll see what happens. But there has been a lot of talk of more stimulus checks. Uh, the Republican side of the, the aisle has has been less and less amounts and different types of stimulus if we're going to do stimulus at all. And Democrats on the other side of the aisle have said, hey, we want to do more stimulus and do that as well. So stimulus is very interesting. Uh, I was just reading a report the other day, 21% of all US dollars were printed in 2020. That's, that is a change, a shift we've never seen in the history of the world where you have a, a country that's been around for over 200 years and 20% of the, the actual dollars has, were printed in one year <laughs> um, is wild and what that means for markets going forward. Now, the Fed loves to, and they got up in, in December and said, hey, we're gonna keep interest rates low for the next foreseeable couple of years. Um, they also believe that inflation, they're gonna keep inflation at about 2%. For years, they have been telling us, yeah, inflation is 2%. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, maybe it's 1.5 this year. It goes up to 2.5, but it's always about 2% for the last 50 years. Do you guys really believe that? You really believe the price of your hot dog has stayed at uh, 2% inflation for the last 20 years. The price of your car has been at 2% inflation for the last 20 years, right? The, and, and what, and then there's two schools of thought on this and two different types of economists. Some economists say, yes, it is 2% because cars now have more technology, right? Cars are way more, have way more tech. So it should be costing you more to have a car because there's way more into it. Cell phones have, have added more to them. And so that's why they're, they're more expensive now. Um, the other school of thought is, and this is what I, the bucket I'm in is they keep altering the way they calculate inflation. And they, so they say, Hey, um, you know, they, they have a, a, a sample of goods they'll put into a, a basket, a bucket, and they will say, Hey, how have these goods gone up or down in price inflation or deflation over the last decade? Right. That's how they will calculate it. They keep manipulating the number. So a few years ago, they took out like, cars, for instance, automobiles out of that bucket. They'll just as a metaphor, they'll say, Hey, uh, you know, uh, ground beef 20 years ago was $3 and, uh, a prime rib steak today is about $3 and whatever, 50, 50, 25 cents or whatever. Those aren't the same items. Yes, they're both come from a cow, but prime rib versus ground beef are different. So they, I, I believe they keep altering the way they calculate 2% inflation every year. When you have the Obama, you know, stimulus checks and all that stuff happen. Yeah. 2%. We've had <laughs> 2020 happen. Yeah. Two per, it's going to be 2% for the next 10. Like really? And the reason they have to do that, right? Why would they do that? Why would they, why would they manipulate the number? If they say inflation is more than 2%, let's say it's, it's actually like 8% inflation a year. They now have to raise everyone's social secure security checks by 8% moving forward. Government workers now probably need to get a 8% raise a year. If 8% inflation is true and is real. Okay. That is why I personally think they will tell us forever that there's 2% inflation. It's not changing. Are you serious? You print 21% of dollars in 2020 and there's going to be 2% inflation for the foreseeable future. That's what, that's what Jeremy Powell told us from the fed in the middle, middle of December when they got up and did their big speech. That's what he told us. Are you kidding me? Okay. So, and we have seen the effects of that this year right? Equity markets are off the charts and pretty much every market 
is hitting all-time highs. Any any type of bullish market that responds um, with you know with market trends with the S and P 500, Dow Jones, you see all all these huge gro- high growth stocks just hitting all-time highs. Bitcoin's at all-time highs. You see that when and and typically when there's high inflationary time, a lot of money printing, usually equities respond first, followed by and this is historically it's not for the future, right? not financial advice, but then then usually real estate and other assets fall that are less liquid follow after that. So looking forward at monetary policy, it, it looks like they are the blue wave. They're going to love to spend money. They're excited to spend money. Um, and money right now, US dollars is, I mean, it is a fiat currency that they can print at will. And I, I uh, you know, everyone asked the question, will that come to a stop? Will that, will China or Russia or somebody stop taking US dollars? I'm not sure. And I think that will be a, a battle from the Fed and the United States if countries decide not to take U.S. dollars. And what I mean by that is this, is any large transaction internationally has to use U.S. dollars. It's from the way back when after World War II, we signed the Bretton Woods Agreement, which said the United States will patrol the, the world with our Navy and everything. We're going to keep trade routes open as long as you trade with us and as long as you use U.S. dollars. So what it does it creates an increased demand of US dollars. So for instance, if you're in uh, Germany and you wanna buy large amounts of oil from Saudi Arabia, you can't use your German marks to buy Saudi Arabian oil. You have to use a SWIFT account. It trades the money in the Fed. They trade it to US dollars and then they trade it into a ruble and you can go now buy oil. That is what currently happens around the world. And there's only two guys that I know of that, that didn't do that, Saddam Hussein. He didn't, he bought large amounts and bought and sold large amounts of oil without U.S. dollars. The other guy was Umar Qaddafi, bought and sold large amounts of U.S. Uh, of, of oil without U.S. dollars. And both those guys somehow, some way, shape or form were killed, right? So um, you have China posing and, and China and Russia recently have been buying lots of gold. Over the last two decades, they've been buying gold, as much gold as they can get their hands on. And um, this is getting a little deeper down a rabbit hole, but hey, that's why we're here. That's why we're talking on this show. <laughs> um, a lot of talks that China or Russia are going to, in the near future, launch their own currency and most likely a cryptocurrency that's backed by them. And they're going to try to replace the US dollar as the world currency or at least have a contender and people can choose between China or the United States US dollar. I believe that would cause... Uh, that could be a, a roots of a World War III. If that, that's how important it is to control what happens. And there's a, um, you know, so anyways, that's getting down the road a little bit. We don't have no clue what's going to happen with that. And, and the Fed, though, is the most powerful private-owned company organization in the world, right? They are not going to let go of their power easily, even if they're printing huge sums of money every day and stimulate an economy um, and everything else from there. So we will see what happens. Maybe a conversation for the other day. And I hope I opened a few loops in your head that you can actually, I've made a few episodes previous on those topics. Okay, up next. So that was, we covered capital gains, 1031, stimulus checks, future lockdowns. We will see what happens with coronavirus. Rolled out a, a vaccine that hopefully will help the world open up and, and hope hopefully help business get back to normal. Um, but as you've seen with, with, and you've seen this in different states, most democratic states have pushed for more lockdowns, more shutdowns, more Republican run states have pushed for opening things up, letting people decide for themselves 
if they want to go and shop or go out into a restaurant or whatever it is. So we will see with a blue wave if lockdowns further increase. Uh, stimulus checks would probably come more and it would get more and more people dependent on the government for a stimulus check, which is a very interesting concept as well um, to, to make, to close down business, to tax people and then take those taxes and pay them back to the people uh, in a socialism type of a scenario. And you guys know from my previous stuff, I am very anti-socialism. I'm, I'm a pro-capitalist. I think capitalism solves pretty much every problem. Capitalism in its true self, which we don't really have in the United States, but true capitalism solves almost every single problem in the market way more efficiently than a government can solve it. And and unless your government has a perfect leader and a perfect king, uh, socialism typically ends with tyranny, ends with, if, with greed. And you can just look at every single country that's ever tried socialism. Uh, Cuba, Venezuela, USSR, China have, have resulted in millions of people dying. Um, huge government fraud. I mean, just terrible, terrible outcomes. I haven't seen it work yet. Um, they're, you know, they're pushing for that. So we'll see, uh, see what happens. I, Personally, though, I don't I don't see drastic changes inside of the inside of what's happening right now with the blue wave, but that's what could happen going forward. Now, looking forward, if they really get serious and the, and the Democratic Party really wants to move on some of the issues that they have proposed, a few are very interesting. Number one is the Affordable Care Act. Now, and this is Biden and Kamala have really pushed this. This would change how healthcare is done in America. Now, I personally have not looked through all the entire plan of everything. I don't I don't know if they have it all mapped out yet. But that would make uh, affordable healthcare to all Americans, and it would adjust if your fund is in the healthcare industry. It would adjust how things are done there. And then two other points: they're looking at canceling student debt. AOC loves to scream that we need to cancel student debt. That would be a wild shift if they actually canceled student debt. Um, I don't even. I don't know. I personally don't do not know the implications of that. If they canceled student debt, um, I'd be a lot of money printing to have to pay off those those lenders. Students would now be able to. I don't. I don't know. I, I really don't. I, I really do not know what would happen if all student loan debt was canceled. Um, that is that's way out there for me. I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole to you guys. What will happen there? And then finally is higher minimum wage. They've been pushing for a higher minimum wage because inflation's at eight percent. Um, they're pushing for this minimum wage. Get up bumped up fifteen dollars an hour seems like the the appropriate. Um, the, not the appropriate, but the the proposed dollar amount. And it's very interesting if if that is a, a change that happens in the government, across the United States, a $15 minimum wage would make a lot of ripple effects happen. Uh, business owners would have to do one of two things, either hire less people or charge more for their products, right? To compensate people at 50, a, a, a busboy, $15 an hour, they're gonna have to either charge more or they're going to have to hire less people and be more efficient and automate more things with less people. And so there's a great um, interview by Peter Thiel. If you've seen Peter Thiel, he talks about this a lot. As He, he believes there should be a $0 minimum wage uh, because all minimum wage does is it incentivizes business owners to do those two things and also takes away people at the bottom of the totem pole, takes away their ability to get a job. Right, if your value to side, you're 15 years old and you can be a busboy, but a, a big restaurant's not going to hire you because they don't have enough money to do. They can't pay you 15 an hour. A five dollar an hour job is better than a zero dollar an hour job. So 
I would rather have some job game, some experience. I do not, and then that person does not plan to be at that level the rest of their life. They always say, well, they need to have a living wage, someone that can support a family. If you're trying to support a family on $15 an hour, what have you been doing the last 10, since you were 15 years old to add value and skills and, and not, and I'm, I'm not saying skills of like computer program. I'm saying skills of showing up on time, being able to talk to a boss and, and talk to and communicate with coworkers, being able to actually hold a job, being able to understand how a business function works. Those types of things, those types of skills you can learn at $5 an hour. Right. And so I won't dive in it. Peter Thiel goes into it way better than I do. Um, talking about how a $15 minimum wage actually could hurt a lot of people at the bottom of the totem pole. The actual, the very poor people or people that don't have a lot of job experience. It, it takes away their oper- the bottom two tiers on a ladder. It takes away those tiers and they can't get jobs now. So we see a, pot- a lot of potential shifts in the economy because of a blue wave. And again, I'll say this, I said at the beginning, I, I hate when government comes in and interferes a lot with markets, but that's what we're seeing right now. And so as a, as a fund manager, as someone that's going to you know, take investors' money, deploy capital into different asset classes, you've got to be looking at what potential changes are going to affect your markets and things that, and maybe things that wouldn't directly affect your industry might trickle effect down to affect what you're doing inside of your fund. It all affects how money is moving around. Now, all that being said, you know, the, they hold a, a, the Democrats hold a slight, they hold a tiebreaker in the Senate. They hold a, a small majority in the house and they hold the presidency. And for a lot of bills, for a lot of stuff, they need sometimes a super majority or more than 50%, depending on the bill and depending on what legislation is being passed. So I personally don't see too much. I see a lot of talk. I don't see too much drastic changes actually hitting and being passed across legislation to be put into law. Uh, that's just the nature of American politics um, in, in the past, but we will see. But these are good things to be aware of. If they do pass, you can be ready to be in front of it. If investors ask you about these questions, topics, you can be informed about what's going on. That's kind of why I want to make this video to make sure that we're talking about these types of things and we are ready. We're on the tip of the sword to get into, to get in and involved with what is going on. So that's all I got for you guys today. Um, if you like this channel, give us a subscribe or a review or a comment. Please uh, reach out to us if you have any questions. Reach out to me on Instagram, Bridger underscore Pennington. Let me know what you think of this episode below and I will see you guys in the next one. Bye. Hey, what's going on? Wasn't that awesome? So what we've done is made a Facebook group that is free to the public. You've got to opt in and join it, but I go live in there every single Wednesday to walk through your questions, do live Q&A and walk through new topics. So if you want to connect with me, want me to answer your questions directly, join our Facebook group. It's Investment Fund Secrets. If you go online, you'll see it. We have a private group for our mastermind members. It's not that one. It's our free group. You guys can hop in, get questions answered, meet other people starting funds and, and join our Investment Fund Secrets family. If you guys are interested, go to Facebook Investment Fund Seekers. I'll see you guys inside.